and the lessons that Allah has given us and Rasulullah has given us is all in the Quran Sharif and in the Ahadith of Rasulullah this is all presented to us ready for us to take and as we just discussed a little while ago it's a very short life in this very short life the rewards are everlasting for the ones who use the short life in the way that Allah Ta'ala wants them to use it small sacrifices very small efforts and really is nothing if we compare what efforts people make for the dunya what efforts people make for the sake of earning the material possessions what efforts Allah Ta'ala requires of us is very minimal a person works from the morning till the evening how many hours in order to earn whatever he wants and how many hours is he required to be in the masjid compulsorily minimal together with that all the other obligations is all minimal is very minimal people undertake greater difficulties for pleasure and leisure person has to wake up for fajr so he'll wake up he'll come perform his salah and he'll go how long he'll take him but people will wake up earlier than that for leisure and pleasure and to go further off and undertake more expense for example somebody has the interest in fishing so the fish are biting very early so that will wake him up at any time so before the people are waking up for fajr he already woke up and before people are going to the masjid he's already gone to where he needs to go some person for some other worldly gain for some medal before people can wake up to go to the masjid for fajr he's already pounding the pavements in the cold winter morning sometimes in order to be training for some marathon and he is undertaking that difficulty and that hardship but he's carrying on so even for leisure and pleasure people undertake far more difficulty far more effort far more pain and for deen what we are required to do is very minimal but in lieu of that Allah Ta'ala is not only promising us something that is credit Jannat and which is everlasting which all a million years of effort also can't buy but in this very dunya Allah Ta'ala is promising that I will make this dunya an example of Jannat for you وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا Allah Ta'ala says that whoever does righteous actions provided they have iman they keep away from sin keep away from haram then Allah Ta'ala says we will make this worldly life for them a most splendid life and really life is inside the heart life is within that a person is happy from inside he's content from inside this is really life otherwise if a person has everything that he wants and can desire but he is in turmoil within himself there is no life so 
this is the promise of Allah Taala, and the prescription for that is Iman and Amal Saliha. So the whole Quran Sharif is filled with this, the Ahadith are filled with it. And many, many Ahadith revise the lessons of so many things that are in the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith. Some Ahadith are very concise in that it revises many major lessons in short words. So this one particular Hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam which has Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu narrates, Allah's Nabi Islam says, Amarani Rabbi bitis'in. My Rabb commanded me with nine things. Everything that Nabi Islam conveys to the Ummad, everything is from Allah Ta'ala. But there are certain things that are mentioned in a way which shows the emphasis in it. That these are really major things. That my Rabb commanded me with these nine things. Allah Ta'ala commanded me. So this is something which is very, very fundamental. What are these nine things? So this is again a, le- a revision of many lessons that we have already done. And the entire deen is revision. Sometimes in one place there is revision upon revision. Suratul Rahman, how many times we recite, How many times? After every ayat, two ayats again, Because there's a lesson to be learned. There's a lesson to be embedded in the heart. That Allah Ta'ala's bounties, how many bounties? And which, which bounty you're going to negate and reject? You can't reject anything. So therefore now submit to Allah Ta'ala. So likewise, all other things in deen also, it's the same deen. But we have to keep revising these lessons to embed it in our hearts and to bring it into our lives. That is the object. The first thing Nabi Sallallahu says that Allah Ta'ala commanded me that He commanded me bi khashyatillahi fi sirri wal alamiya to fear Allah Ta'ala whether in solitude or in public. Whether a person is among people or is alone. At all times to fear Allah Taala. One is a person is in public or is among people then he conducts himself in a certain way. He presents a certain picture. He speaks in a certain way. He will maybe speak certain things and not other things. He is careful about where he is looking. And all the other things he is worried about. So just as he conducts himself among people, Nabi Salaam is saying, Allah Ta'ala commanded me to fear Allah Ta'ala likewise in solitude. When a person is alone also, he should be fearing Allah Ta'ala in the same way. One is a person is among his family. So now he is with his wife and children and maybe he's traveling somewhere. Now how he conducts himself? He's at a counter at the airport or wherever and he has to be doing the necessary communication in order to get his work done. And there's a female on the other side but his wife is standing alongside. So now how he conducts himself, how he speaks, what he asks for and what he doesn't ask. So supposing now he's traveling alone, does that change? That is also, now though he is still not in solitude, this is also an application of this hadith. 
That when he was traveling with his family, then now he's asking for what is absolutely necessary to ask. And he's saying what is absolutely necessary. So he's not talking about now what's the weather like and uh, the, all the other whole history of where you came from and what you doing here and whatever else. Now he's worried about what his work is and he's moving. When he's with his family, when he's alone, is that going to be maintained the same? That will indicate what is the level of khashiyat inside. And Nabi Salaam is saying, Allah Ta'ala commanded me to have this khashiyat in both situations. The same. But people also fear Allah Ta'ala. And for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, do what is right. And when nobody is there also for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, Allah, is, Allah Ta'ala is still watching. That very famous incident of Hazrat Umar is making gushed his patrolling late at night and he overhears the mother and daughter talking inside the house. It's late at night so the sound is traveling and the wall of the house is the street. The street and the wall is the same place. Umar now is overhearing a conversation suddenly coming. And the mother is, she's also testing the daughter out that tomorrow we have to sell this milk so just add some water. So it will increase the volume. We will sell more. We will get more money. So the daughter is replying and saying that Amirul Mu'mineen has forbidden this. This is deception. The mother says that is Amirul Mu'mineen here to see now. That you are putting the water in the milk. So the daughter's reply. That Amirul Mu'mineen is not here. The rub of Amirul Mu'mineen is watching. The rub of Amirul Mu'mineen is watching, Allah Ta'ala is watching. Whether Amirul Mu'mineen is here or not, what difference it makes? So this is khashiyat fi sirri wal alaniya. That if Amirul Mu'mineen is watching, then too we won't do it. And if he's not watching, then too we won't do it. Because Allah Ta'ala is watching. So a person is traveling with his family, then too he will conduct himself correctly. He's traveling alone, then too he'll conduct himself correctly. He is doing something one aspect of sir and alania. Alania is what is apparent. He's doing something apparently with a certain motive. He's doing it to help somebody. That is his motive. So that is outward. But there's a sir, there's something inside the heart also. That what is the motivating factor to do this? Is it that I want to extract something out of this person? Like I'm doing it. Or I got some other ulterior motive. So Allah Ta'ala knows that too. Wallahu ya'lamul mufsida minal muslih. In the Quran Sharif, when the law came down, that wala ta'kulu awalakum baynakum bil batil. Allah Ta'ala commanded the believers, don't usurp one another's wealth. Don't take up somebody's wealth wrongfully. This is a major crime. So many of the Sahaba Ikram, were bringing up orphans in their homes. Now the orphan had his own wealth, which was inherited from the father. So they would use that orphan's wealth for the benefit of the orphan, but everything would be, the food would be cooked together, because they didn't have that amount for themselves that they could just spend freely on anyone. But now when this ayat was revealed, they became hyper-conscious and hyper-cautious. So they began now cooking for themselves, and separately cooking from the wealth of the orphan for the orphan. 
so that they don't use up one bit of his wealth. Because the orphan's wealth, the orphan's wealth, Allah Ta'ala says, those who eat up the wealth of orphans, usurp the wealth of orphans, they're not usurping wealth, they're putting fire in their bellies. But that fire sometimes becomes apparent only in the akhirat, and many a times it becomes apparent in this world also. That that fire which went down in the belly, now the whole life is in turmoil. The whole life is burning. And that fire which went down in the belly, over time sometimes burns up everything else. Many a times people then confess themselves that I was wondering what happened. How did everything, though it was at a peak, how it all collapsed. And now I've realized I've made some mistakes in my life. These are the actual words that people then say. I realize I've made some mistakes in my life. That too is Ghanimah, the person comes to realization. That I've made some mistakes, I need to make amends. So in any case, when this ayat was revealed, the Sahaba became so conscious and so cautious that they began cooking separately for the orphan. But now this became difficult. Sometimes they are cooking for that orphan, but that child is not really in the mood of eating, so he ate little bit, and the rest of it got wasted, because there were no fridges, fridges and freezers to go and put it in. And sometimes, and besides that, now it's a double job. So Allah wa ta'ala revealed the ayat, that look, you don't have to go to this extent. You use that orphan's wealth for the benefit of the orphan, فَإِن تُخَالِطُوهُمْ فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ If you join them together, you know that, okay, the child is going to eat so much, so much of the child's wealth, you mixed it up with yours, you cooked it all together. So fine, don't worry about that. But, وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ الْمُفْسِدَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِحِ Now this is a very delicate thing. That you say, okay, this child is going to eat, for example, now, uh, 100 grams. So you took the 100 grams and you joined it with the rest of the 1 kilo and put it together and cooked it. So very well, that's fine, no problem. But what is your intention behind it is going to be very critical. Wallahu ya'alamul mufsida min al-muslih. Allah ta'ala knows the person who is, whose intention is correct and the one whose intention is corrupt. Allah ta'ala knows. Who is doing it for the benefit of the orphan and who is doing it knowing that maybe this child normally eats 100 grams but today he's not going to eat it so we're going to eat it up. Allah ta'ala knows. Allah Ta'ala is all aware of what is the intention, what is the motivation, what is the driving factor from within. So this sir wal alaniya, that sometimes something is done outwardly. And outwardly there is a certain intention for it, very good motive for it. But is that the same inside? Is inside also that motive clear? Is that motive correct? So this is the first thing that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is saying. Allah Ta'ala commanded me to have this consistency. What is inside and outside, both is correct. Outside is right, the inside also must be correct. And I should fear Allah Ta'ala in all situations. So this was the first thing, Amarani Rabbi, bitis'in, the first thing that I must be fearing Allah Ta'ala in public, in private, outwardly, inwardly. Whether I'm with my family, whether I'm alone, whether I'm at home, whether I'm in some other part of the world. Everywhere the same applies. Allah Ta'ala is watching. Allah is aware of everything. Then the second thing Nabi Salaam says that Allah Ta'ala commanded me that وَكَلِمَةِ الْعَدْلِ فِي الْغَضَبِ وَالْرِضَى وَكَلِمَةِ الْعَدْلِ 
That whether a person is happy or whether he is in a state of anger, irrespective, but to be just and to say what is the truth. It is not that when a person is happy, then he conducts himself and says things in a different way, then he is, everything is fine. And when he is angry, while he is happy, he is praising a person and takes him also to the, puts him on the sky. When he is angry, suddenly he wants to bury him beneath the ground. In other words, when he is happy, he is praising him beyond whatever he is, really is. And when he gets angry, then he drops a person and he brings those kind of things out which are not even there. Starts accusing the person and making false accusations. This is something that will take a person to great difficulties in dunya and akhirat. So to be just across the board, whatever the case is, whether it is in my favor or against me, but I need to be maintaining justice. And anger is something that often makes a person forget justice. When anger takes over, one of the first victims becomes justice. Now a person just says anything which is against the dictates of justice, he is hurting somebody's feelings, breaking somebody's heart, or he is doing something which is against justice, he is committing zulm, he is hitting somebody, he is hurting somebody in some other way. So the first victim often is justice in the state of anger. So therefore this anger has to be under control. Anger is a human condition. Every person experiences anger. But when the anger comes, then it is something that is to be controlled. And it is within a person's capacity to control it. Like that example we often have heard, that somebody, you know, as we sometimes say, nobody must tap my toes. Some people say it very proudly, I'm a hothead. Like a kind of self-praise. that I'm a hothead. So to be a hothead is no kamal. Say, a person is a cool head, alhamdulillah. That's something to be, that's also Allah Ta'ala's tawfiq, but something to be happy about. But sometimes a person feels very proud that I'm a hothead. Like, as if this, you know, like hot property or something. So, now sometimes a person says, I'm a hothead, nobody must tempt my toes. I can't, then I just lose it. And I go off the handle. And I go, go off on a tangent. And some of these statements we only started hearing recently. I don't know, maybe all this didn't happen before. It all only started happening recently. Pre previously people stayed on the handle. So in any case, all these things start happening. A person says, I just, I'm out of control then. Anybody tramps my toes, I'm out of control. And that too, tramping his toes figuratively. Let alone literally. But now suddenly somebody literally tramped his toes. So he can't take the figurative trampling of the toes. Somebody literally tramped his toes. And they're still standing on it. But when he looked up, he saw one fellow double his size. So now all his anger just subsided. And he's very humbly and nicely asking the person, please, you're standing on my toes, can you please step aside? You know, you'll do me a favor. So now, where that whole control came from? That control came because anger is very intelligent. Anger knows that here, I can't use my anger. I can't vent it. Because here, if I vent it, I'm in problems. So I'd rather just keep quiet. This is my, in my best interest. Though he might burn inside, he might wonder and try to make some plan later on to do what he wants to do and can do. 
But at that time, he's totally under control. Despite whatever is boiling inside, he can bottle it up. So this is the issue that, that anger is something within a person's control. It is just nafs and shaitan that bring up all these things that I, I can't, I'm out of control, I just lose it, whatever else. So we mustn't lose it, because if we lose it, we'll get lost. Sometimes people keep saying that, you know, I, I can't take it, I just give the person a piece of my mind. So now we start distributing a piece of our mind to everybody. In the end, the person gets left with nothing for himself. So now a mindless person, what is going to be the end result? So in any case, the first thing is, the first victim becomes justice when a person gets overwhelmed with anger. This is something to bring under control. A person immediately starts thinking that I have erred so much in terms of what Allah Ta'ala's commands are. If Allah Ta'ala showers his anger upon me, what will be my condition? Allah Ta'ala displays his anger against me, what will be my condition? So if I forgive, I can have some hope of being forgiven also. I overlook, then I can have some hope of my faults being overlooked. That very famous incident of Dirwan Buzrug, who was a very pious person, when he passed away, somebody saw him in a dream. They asked him what happened. How did things go? Said, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala forgave me. He says, what was the act on which you got forgiven? Something must have been very special. Maybe all the ibadat you did, all the great work of deen you did, etc. This is a buzruk of recent times, meaning about 100 odd years ago. So now, he said, no, no, that wasn't the case. What I got forgiven on, was on one occasion I came home, and I was very hungry. And when my wife presented the food, she somehow by mistake had offloaded the salt into it. So it was extremely salty. And it was very difficult to eat. And I was very hungry on top of that. And the anger welled up within me. But within, at that moment I said, Ya Allah, this is your servant also. And I have also heard, she's made a mistake. For your pleasure, I'm forgiving her. And I didn't say anything and somehow I ate that food. On account of that, Allah Ta'ala forgave me that you forgave my servant, I'm forgiving you today. So this is no minor thing, this is a very big thing. Many a times... We talk about Islah and Tazkiyah and Reformation. And our concept of Islah and Tazkiyah and Reformation often is that a person now will be reading maybe 500, uh, 5,000 times this Tazbih and another 10,000 times that Tazbih and the whole night in Tahajjud and Tilawat the whole day. Indeed, these are great A'mal. These are great A'mal. But Islah and Tazkiyah this pertains primarily to the rectification of the heart and controlling what Allah wa ta'ala has ordered us to control. That is the primary aspect of Islah. This is all the shine and the polish on top of it. That a person has cleaned out the inside, has brought all these various emotions under control. He is using it within the limits of Shariat. Now on top of that he is making a lot of tilawat. He's making zikr and dua, he's making tahajjud. All this will bring that shine on top of it. And this will make it sparkle. But this is the fundamental aspects. Otherwise, we'll end up giving away all our tahajjud and tilawat and sadaqah and all the nafil ibadat to others as a result of not having made islah and tazkiyah of these fundamental things. 
So this was the second thing that he says, my Rabb ordered me to do, that to always be just in anger or in happiness. The third thing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Allah Ta'ala commanded me, وَأَمَرَنِي بِالْقَصْدِ فِي الْغِنَى وَالْفَقْرِ Allah Ta'ala ordered me to be moderate <coughs> in a condition of prosperity or poverty. Whether a person is in a situation of wealth or whether he is in a situation of poverty, but to be moderate, to adopt moderation. One is moderation in terms of spending. That a person doesn't have anything much, so obviously he's going to spend accordingly. And now suddenly Allah Ta'ala opened it up for him, now he doesn't just start splashing it out. He uses what Nehmet Allah Ta'ala has given him, but now he is using it also in moderation. And he is making a share for the servants of Allah Ta'ala in it. The orphans, the widows, the destitute, the needy. These are also the creation of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has opened the door for me to make it possible for me to help his creation. And Allah Ta'ala could have given it to them through some other door. But Allah Ta'ala is giving me the opportunity that what Allah Ta'ala wants to give them as rizq is using me as the postman. The postman doesn't feel any favor to anybody. He is merely conveying the parcel. He merely conveys the parcel and he's done his job. But the giver, giver has sent it from wherever he sent it. So Allah Ta'ala sent it. So when the person is conducting himself in this way, then that wealth becomes a great boon for him, great favor for him. And when he's spending on himself also in moderation, he's not spending just to make a name for things, just to create a stir in the community that this person now has got this, has got that kind of car he drives, or that kind of home he has built, or that kind of function he hosted. All these things are of no avail. And many a times, these things become the turning point, turning point in the sense from good times to hard times. When a person starts spending wealth merely to make a name for himself. Then that becomes a turning point. He uses it. Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with ni'mats. He makes use of it in a correct way. He has some comforts and luxuries. By all means, nobody has been forbidden from that. But it is not for the sake of making some name among society. Not for that purpose. So this is the third thing Nabi Sallallahu says, Allah Ta'ala ordered me to do. So the first was to fear Allah Ta'ala in public or in privacy. Second, to be just, whether in anger or happiness. And the third thing, to be moderate, to adopt moderation in wealthy conditions or in state of poverty. Then Nabi Islam says that Allah Ta'ala commanded me wa an asila man qata'ani wa u'tiya man haramani wa a'fuwa amman zalamani Allah Ta'ala ordered me to join ties with those who cut off ties from me. To join ties with those who cut off ties from me. Allah Ta'ala ordered me to do this. Again, we talk about Islah and Tazkiyah. And this is really the heart. And to fulfill this, and to join ties with the one who cuts off ties from us, this makes Islah and Tazkiyah of the heart like very few things can. Because in order to fulfill this, and to go on doing it, one is on a once-off. No, to continue doing it. An asila man qata'ani, this is from the Arabic 
the, this is something which is more technical, but it is derived this imperative verb, asila. This is uh, the mudari, the thing that shows continuation. So the continuation that I must keep doing this. So now in order to keep doing it, it will require the height of akhlaq. It will require tawazu and humility. It will require a great deal of sabr. Because that person is already he's cutting you off. So he might be even, each time you go, be slamming the door in your face too. But Nabi Islam is saying, Asila man qata'ani. Allah Ta'ala commanded me to keep joining ties with the one who cuts off from me. It will require great amount of tahammul, tolerance. Sometimes he's saying so many things, now the person is tolerating it. So this is no easy task. But because it is no easy task, it has this great rewards also. The rewards of it are, in the hadith Nabi Islam says, that the prescription for barakat in life and wealth. When any person hears the word barakat, then everybody's mouth waters, because everybody wants barakat. There's nobody in the world, you ask him, you want barakat, then he's going to say no. Every person in the world wants barakat. And obviously you must aspire for barakat. No way we have been commanded or taught also in the ahadith to just merely ask for an increase in dunya. But what we have been taught to ask for is barakat. If barakat comes, then irrespective of the quantity, whether the quantity is little or it's more, if barakat comes, then there will be great good that will come from whatever is it. And if there's no barakat in it, then irrespective of how much it may be, in fact then the more, the greater the difficulty. So, the prescription for barakat in life and wealth, Nabi Islam is saying, Man ahabba ayyubsata lahu fi rizqihi wa yunsa'a lahu fi atharihi fal yasil rahima. The one who wishes that he must have barakat in his life and wealth, let him maintain family ties. Join ties with the one who has cut off ties from him. On top of that further, one step even further. That I give the one who has deprived me. One is to give somebody who gave me. Very easy. In fact, even if you don't want to give to, you feel from within, so to say, obliged to give. Because this person gave me so much now, I have to give him something. But here we are being taught, to give the one who has deprived us. Again, this, that same islah that we talk about, the taskiyah and so on, which is all inside the heart. And this is where it all comes out. That what extent our islah has been achieved. To what extent this taskiyah has happened from inside. And that will all come up in these kind of situations. That what extent of control a person has on those emotions. What control he has on the tongue. What control he has on the heart. What control he has on the eye. Now at the time somebody has deprived us to go ahead and still give him something. And again he deprived us. Depriving in various ways. Just maybe on a more, on a scale, on a way that we may understand. Though the sunnah is, and where the barakat is, is that there is a wedding wherein the least expense is incurred. That is where the greatest barakat is. But in any case, somebody didn't invite us for some 
occasion, whatever the occasion was. And now a similar occasion is in our home. So we make sure we invite him first. Then the second occasion came, he didn't invite us. The second occasion came in our house, we invited him first. So, this is the akhlaq Nabi Islam is teaching us. And this is, Nabi Islam is saying, Allah Ta'ala ordered me to do this. As we said that the way something is expressed, all, whatever Allah Ta'ala, whatever Nabi Islam has given us is from Allah Ta'ala. But the expression gives some specific meaning to it also. Allah Ta'ala ordered me to do these things. These are fundamentals. This is the foundation on which many things will grow. Many things will rise very high on these foundations. So, And that I should forgive the one who has oppressed me. And this is, these three things are the height of akhlaq. When a person has reached a pinnacle of akhlaq, he can do all these three things. That he joins ties with the one who has cut off ties from him. Hazrat Shaykh al Hadith Ma'a Zakaria Sahib Rahmatullah, the author of Fazail Amal, he says that there was some issue between one part of the family in which he belonged to and another part of the family. These things happen sometimes. And he used to be living in Saharanpur, his family, all were based in Kandla, another village in India. So he would come normally once a year, twice a year at the most. Because he was based in the madrasa here. So whenever he would come, he would come sometimes for two days, one day, three days at the most. But he would make it a point. Now everybody is living in the same village. But now, one part of the family has got an issue with the other part of the family. So half on one end, the other half on the other end. So he says, now I used to be there for one, two days, three days. I used to go from door to door and meet everybody, the whole village. And he says, one person from my side of the family would accompany me. And every time we go to one of the other homes, many a times, somebody will tell me a whole lot of things. They'll abuse, use some abusive language, some vulgar words, and some will slam the door. He says, the next time I come, again I would go from door to door. So this person will accompany me again, this relative of mine. And he says, now again when the same people will say the same things and slam the door on my face, so this person will say, Ab besharam hai? You got no shame. Last time they slammed the door on your face. Last time they told you all this. And again you going this time. Koi sharam nahi aapko. So he says, my answer used to be to him that I will continue doing what I have to do. They'll carry on doing what they want to do. But that mustn't stop me from what I have to do. I have to continue mending family ties. And I have to continue doing, joining up with those who cut off from me. They're doing what they want to do. That's up to them. He says it was barely some short time, maybe a few years. He says those very people used to be slamming their doors in my face, became like the closest murids. But when a person first does what he's supposed to do, the usul and the principle Allah Ta'ala has placed, in tansurullah yansurukum. If you help the deen of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will help you. But our principle is, first we must see the help of Allah Ta'ala coming, then we'll decide to take the step forward. This is dunya. And dunya is a test. So we are being tested to see whether we will first take the step. And when we will take the first step, Allah Ta'ala's help will come. So these three things are the height of akhlaq that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi taught. And then, <coughs> further Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi uh, gives some further advice that 
Allah wa ta'ala ordered me that وَأَيَّكُونَ الصَّمْتِ fikra That my silence must be a means of pondering. That if there's nobody around, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm alone. So now I'm quiet, I'm silent. So that silence must be a means of pondering. What pondering? That pondering that will take me closer to Allah Ta'ala. Unfortunately, when we are silent, you know, mind is gone anywhere and everywhere but Allah Ta'ala. Hazrat Ma'a Ubaidullah Sarahmatullah used to say that unfortunately, sometimes a whole day, maybe sometimes many days, sometimes many weeks, sometimes months, and in some people's cases years, go by, where in that whole day, or whole week, or month, or year, even once the thought didn't go towards akhirat. Even once the thought didn't go towards akhirat. Whereas without that goal in front of us, nothing can really come right. It's like, not the good example to be taken in the masjid, but because it's an example that generally any person understands easily, that it's a football pitch, and now one person is an expert at how he can dribble, and how he can head the ball, and how he can kick it, and whatever. But he's going round and round in circles. He's not going anywhere in the direction of the goalpost. So now he carries on 20 minutes, half an hour, he's dribbling the whole field in the same place. But he's not going anywhere near the direction of the goals. So eventually they're going to all say, this is a waste of time. Though he can keep dribbling the whole field, and he can hit the ball as an expert, and he can do all kinds of styles and tactics and whatever else, what's the use? He's not in the direction of the destination. He's going to achieve nothing. He's just going to, by the time the time is over, he'll gain nothing. He's lost out everything. The goalpost for the mu'min is akhirat. And if he's not looking at that, then he's going to lose his way. He's going to be going anywhere and everywhere, going in circles, and thinking he's going anywhere, but he's, he's just there. He's just going in circles. Without this direction, without this destination in front of us, then a person can't look after his tongue. He won't be able to guard his eyes. He won't be able to look after his heart. And pondering is a far away thing. Whereas Nabi Salaam says, Allah Ta'ala commanded me <coughs> that I ponder. When I'm silent, I'm pondering. Pondering what? Pondering on the greatness of Allah Ta'ala by looking at his qudrat, what Allah Ta'ala has created. Look at the things around us. Pondering over our own condition. Allah feeds me every day. Gives me air free to breathe. Has given me these eyes to look. Has given me these ears to listen. I speak one million words every day with my tongue. What shukr have I made for my Rabb? Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with that food, that energy that came. How did I use this energy? In his obedience? Or like somebody gave us a gift, we take the gift and we slap him in the face. So Allah Ta'ala is free from all that. Allah Ta'ala is above all this. But what was the expression that we showed after having eaten the food of Allah Ta'ala? So to sit and think about this. Think about what is going to take us to the Jannat. Think about how much have we fulfilled in terms of our mu'amalat, our dealings with people. Is everything in order? Sit down and ponder, what is my akhlaq about? How have I conducted myself in these past few days? What was the way I was speaking? How did I react in that situation? 
Was that the correct thing to do? What words did I speak to my parents? How did I speak to them? What was my tone? Was that the right thing to do? Where did I go? What did I do? If the azab of Allah Ta'ala came down upon me at that moment, in that condition that I was in, what would have been the case? Now to sit down and think in this way. When a person is thinking in this way, this will open the doors out to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. So, وَأَيَّكُونَ سَمْتِي فِكْرَ وَنُطْقِي ذِكْرَ And my speech should be the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. That if I'm talking something, what I'm talking also should take a person, myself and others, should take them somewhere closer to Allah Ta'ala. So somewhere in that whole conversation also, something of deen, something to take us closer to Allah Ta'ala, some reminder of some aspect of the akhirat, some reminder that this is a na'mat of Allah Ta'ala, we should be grateful for it. It doesn't always have to be formal, it doesn't always have to be very, very, uh, like a, somebody is giving a talk and a bayan or something, but that speech in whichever way it is, but some way it is taking a person closer to Allah Ta'ala. وَيَكُونَ نُطْقِ ذِكْرَ وَنَظْرِ عِبْرَ And whenever I look at something that must be a means of taking a lesson from it. A lesson that will take me closer to Allah Ta'ala. And the last thing the Prophet also mentioned, وَآمُرَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ That I should be enjoining the right all the time. When I enjoin the right, together with that comes forbidding from the evil. This is something which is a mu'min's this is his job, this is his occupation, that this is primarily what he lives for. That he lives for Allah wa ta'ala and for the deen of Allah ta'ala. So these lessons that have been given to us in this hadith, this is a revision of so many things in the Quran and Sunnah, and we bring these few things in our life, very few. These are the fundamentals, these are the foundations on which all the other branches of deen will come alive. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me also the tawfiq, and all of us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Azan. Eight o'clock. Continue. Azan is at eight. So a few minutes, three, four minutes in Mexico and do Beside the لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 